Good morning. So Mike is about this far over. Oh, yep. And then as far as the screen, how how much distance, how much leash do I have here? Okay, give or take here. Okay, well, that's okay. I'm just making sure I need where my limits are here. So it's good to know our limits, right? So good morning. So I really appreciated Pastor Tim's message last week. It was really good. I was... It was one of those messages that felt like 45 minutes went like, whew, gone. Is this too close to my mouth to you? Are we good? Okay. I was challenged by last week's message. And I think that's uh, why we come to church. Part of the reason is to edify, but also to find a little challenge in, in the word. And the challenge is also to how can I exercise now what I've learned and to do something with what I've now been educated with and to know Christ and to make him known, correct? And I think that is really, that should be the, the goal of our, uh, our uh, coming to church. So this morning... Um, I've really appreciated going through the book of James too. It's been really good and I've appreciated it and going back and listening. And over the last several months, um, listening to Tim unpack it has just been really good. And to listening to that, I didn't realize this and maybe he said it, but I just caught it last week that the overarching theme of what we've been going through the book of John or James has been spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. I thought that was interesting. Um, and what does that mean in spiritual maturity? So a lot of times I think right away we assume anybody that's mature is always somebody that's an age, right? But it's interesting when it comes to spiritual maturity, you can't really put those two together, right? I mean, maturity and spirituality doesn't constitute just because you're one of the older ones in the room that you have spiritual maturity, and so thinking about that and the challenge of how long sitting in a, in a church pew or how long you've attended church, but then to what level has that matured you? What have you done with what you have learned, with what you have been getting in Bible study? Are you just packing it in? Or is it something that you've been redistributing I think the challenge there for us is then the hows. How do I go back out and how do I share this information, right? But I think that from the very beginning of the book of Genesis to the very end, it's something that we can always use in our walk with the Lord, of course, but then also too how we can always use that with witnessing to somebody. People expect what out of a Christian? What do you think the world is looking for in Christians? It's interesting when I start talking to people that maybe have never really been to church before. 
they have certain expectations of what a Christian should be like. And what would you think that would be? Better. Better than what? Better than the world. So I know when I was young, I kind of had, you know, an idea of what Christianity was. I didn't really have a whole lot of idea. Went to church very little. But I always thought it was a little bit better because simply by even going to church on Sundays, it was better. Because what? We dressed up. Everybody was real formal. And we didn't swear when we were in church. So I always thought that was interesting, that that was kind of like, don't uh, swear while you're in church. You don't tell dirty jokes while you're in church. You know, and I got this from the adults. This is where I learned it from. Because all of a sudden I seen people that I knew very well because I seen them outside of church most of the time. Now we're in church and we're not acting a certain way. And so then I grew up with that kind of lifestyle where I lived like hell outside of church, just willy-nilly doing whatever I wanted to do. But then when I sat in church, then I dressed up and I shook hands and I smiled and I didn't swear. I didn't really have a whole lot of boundaries like I'm talking about even here today, right? I have boundaries. I had a little bit of idea you know, you don't punch people. You don't steal your buddy's girlfriend. You know, there were certain things. He didn't punch people unless they really needed it. I mean, right? But then it was interesting. I started to really pursue the Lord and wanted to know more about the Lord and seeking him. And that came with all of a sudden all these boundaries of what? Being good and trying to be a good Christian. And I remember I'd hear that. People would say that sometimes about certain people, that they're a good Christian. Or they're a bad Christian. That was really strange to me. But I, I understood, though, because then as I started to draw on my walk to draw close to the Lord, I started to realize how hard it is to be good to achieve what I think I thought what it meant to be a good Christian. So as an older 20-something Christian, I knew that drinking was, especially to the extent that I did it, was too far. And it caused lots of problems for me, and I had near-death experiences. I mean, it was over the top. And I quit drinking when I was a 21 if that sounds very weird, right? Right when he gets to be, I was six months into being legal when I quit. So that kind of tells you, I started drinking heavy when I was in eighth grade. Like I said, I was a handful. But then all of a sudden I started really searching for the Lord. And, and I, I tried, you know, when I was in high school, I was a camp counselor, um, you know, at a camp that they didn't really care if you were a Christian or not, just as long as you said you were. You know, I mean, I just assumed everybody there was a Christian, but they all acted like me. They all had the same flippant approach to the Word of God. 
But I didn't know that. I'd never read the word of God for myself. Then the challenge comes of, well, what does it really mean to be a Christian? All of a sudden, I had young boys in my cabin as a camp counselor asking me, how do I get to heaven? <gasps> Why would you ask me that? Why would you ask me? How would I know? But here, I'm your camp counselor. I'm supposed to be counseling you in something. So I would just tell them, you got to be more good than bad. And as long as you're more good than bad, there's a good chance I have faith that you'll make it. But I didn't even believe that myself. How good do you have to be? And I struggled with that. And I proceeded to open up the book of Romans because I thought I can't read from the very beginning. That's a big book. So I just opened up randomly and it happened to turn to Romans chapter 1. And I started reading there. And if you've ever read through Romans chapter 1, that's probably not the best place for a non-Christian to start reading. Especially when you get to the wrath of God, verse 16. Threw me for a loop. And I remember I had an opportunity to ask a real Christian, what does this mean in Romans 16? This wrath of God that's coming down on mankind and, and, and death and children that are disobedient and homosexuals and just, ah, what is this? And, I, and I, I was staying at this house. We were doing a counseling session for a week in a, in a town of rugby. And we were staying with a Lutheran pastor there. And I asked him out of sincere desire to want to know, because I did not know any of this. But what does this mean? And I think he thought that maybe I was trying to corner him. I'm not sure, but he got really upset with me. He's like, you can't take this for what it says. He goes, this was written by many different people over many hundreds of years. It's just a good guideline. Then I'm like, so why are we doing this? <laughs> why do I have faith in this? Where do I go with this? I was 21 when I, that was happening. That was a, it was right during that same period when I stopped drinking because of a near-death experience. And then... After I was 21 and I started to try to be good and go down this road and seeking the Lord. And as I continued to seek the Lord, I sought everywhere and asked people instead of just going to the word. So I got lots of different opinions. I got lots of different ideas during that time while I was in college, <laughs> so you can imagine. And then a lot of people came to me because they thought I was a Christian, would ask me all kinds, of, and I would give them all kinds of crazy philosophy about Christianity, stuff I just made up. But basically all arrived around, you got to be good, Right? Last week, Tim talked about that there was two different desires. 
a lot of times that struggle with inside of us and they're competing. I had this desire inside of me to know the Lord, a desire to seek him. And it started young, but I had no way of finding that. There was nothing in that small town that I grew up in really to adhere to. I remember even my friends would say when I got really drunk, I would, and I don't remember this because I drank to blacking out every time I drank. But I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have grass stains on my knees. And my friends would say, why do you always call out to Jesus every time you get really drunk? I'm like, what? <laughs> I do what? I struggled bad. I had this desire. For the word, to know God, to be good. And it says in 1 Samuel 15, 22, that what? It's, behold, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. We were, I was trying to be obedient. I was trying to earn my way into something. And then Matthew 22, starting at 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. If you would have asked me, I would have told you, I love the Lord. And I did as much as I could with what I had. When I say all of my heart, I've, I've, that's something I've really been pondering now for years. And in fact, when Jonathan Wiggins was here a few months ago or a couple months ago or a month ago, whatever it was, he spoke a little bit about the heart. And he really touched on some really key points. And I told him, I said, man, this is something I've thought about for a long time, but I've never even really preached about it because it's, it's complex, but yet so easy. to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And we talk, he talked about that. It's not just this muscle that we're talking about, right? It's not this. And the heart, when we talk about the heart, we think about emotions. We think about Valentine's Day, right? It's this is what it is. Your heart is here. Initially, it all starts in here. What we take in, and when we see it, and all of a sudden our mind thinks and looks and contemplates and devises and desires what we're looking at. And our mind goes, I love that. And then it affects what? Once we see something like that, then it affects our emotions. I remember when I first saw Kim and I first, that's my wife. My wife is Kim. I remember just in my heart, just literally my heart rose up inside of me. And the desire for her rose up inside of me. So all of a sudden my mind spoke to my emotions and then my emotions did what? 
activated me to do something. So I acted out. I went over and spoke to her and talked to her. So when I think about the heart, it's referring to not always, but usually it's your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Not always in that order, but it flows off my tongue better when I say it that way. But it's your mind, will, and emotions, your heart. So think about that, to love the Lord your God with your mind, will, and emotions, right? So when I love the Lord my God, I see something that he has showed me and told me, and it makes my heart a flutter. It's like, that is amazing. And then I want to act upon it. When I first got saved, that's how it happened. I was seeking the Lord, and I was seeking the Lord. And, but, and the emotion was there, and the action was there, but I was misinformed. I didn't have all the right information. But when I got the right information, then all of a sudden that will and that or that uh, that will changed. Now this information I got, I need to share with somebody else. John fourteen fifteen, it says, "If you love me, keep my." commandments. That's a wonderful verse, but it's also a scary verse. If you love me. Because it's putting into question what? My love. For who? For God. Hearing that verse on the outside looking in makes people, but your commandments are so many and so hard to achieve. And when people confronted Jesus about that, like, what must I do to get into heaven? He says, oh, sell all your stuff and follow me. And they're like, oh, man, are you kidding? I can't do that. And, you know, they, they, they see these commandments, and, they don't, and they're seeing it for an external, right? For like, oh, what it means to be a Christian. When I look at a Christian, they got to be what? They got to smell good. They got to act right. They got to not be angry people. They can't swear. They can't drink. They can't smoke. They can't do drugs. They can't do on and on and on. We have an expectation. People look at us and expect something better of us. Is that what God's commandments are? When I talk to somebody and I want to share Christ with them, they always tell me how good they are. How good they are. And that's from Christians to Mormons to Muslims. They always give me the same story. Buddhists. I mean, I've met all kinds of people. Atheists. Base their non-belief on being good. But when I burst their bubble and say, did you know in the Bible it actually says that it has nothing to do with being good? They're like, what do you mean? Christians are supposed to be good. And then we let them down. It breaks my heart when I see Christians that are on the world stage 
doing great things, wonderful things. And then they do something and get caught. And then they deny it, and then it gets proven, and just down the road it goes. And the next thing you know, you're just like, oh my goodness. What happened to them? Did you know that when Billy Graham was first getting started, he was actually under a man named Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton was the head of the crusades that they were doing. He was the main evangelist that brought the message. And Billy Graham was his little intern. And they would go out and they led thousands of people to the Lord. And tent crusades all over, the, all over in the south and out east. And Charles Templeton was the force to reckon with. You even hear Billy Graham talk about that, that he learned from 